December 15, 1960, Richard Pavlik is arrested after attempting to assassinate JFK, which would be successfully rebooted three years later. <laughs> Welcome to The Revisionists. I'm Brian Flynn. I'm Zach Powers. And our guest is returning favorite, friend of the show, uh, Jen Colick. Hey, guys. How's it going? Good. Thank you so much for being here. And jingle, jingle, jingle. Jingle, jangle. Jingle, jangle. jangle. You know what that means? It's it's Christmas, mm-hmm. Hanukkah, Ayid, Kwanzaa time. And when you hear them reindeer a jangling up on the roof, you know, ah, shit. Santa's coming down that chimney. Now, we here at the Revisionists don't like to be denominational in our beliefs, but what what all these got in common, if you in the Northern Hemisphere, is that it's cold as fuck. So, oh my it's God. the continuation of Cold Disaster Month, <laughs> which is our slang for Christmas, Cold Disaster <laughs> Last it, last uh, time, you may remember, we talked about the Franklin Expedition. Mm-hmm. Certainly, I think you would all agree, a cold disaster. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen of the jury, I think we can all agree. <laughs> and uh, we voted ultimately to have the real version of the Franklin Expedition be the truth going forward, in part because, uh, unfortunately, Brian's alternate version did not leave up to the superior already kind of alternate version that AMC made earlier this year. Which I still have not seen, but uh, I did not, I like, I read a recap. It was like the AV Club's top 10 TV shows of the year. And I did not realize it had like a fucking monster in it, I guess. Yeah, it's already kind of an alternate take. I thought it was just like British people dying. Was that based on the, um, is it Dan Simmons? Uh, I can't remember. It is a novel called... The novel. Terror or yeah, something? Yeah, it's called The Terror. I guess it's yeah. half nonfiction, half novel, but a fictionalized account, one might say, if one were in the literary community. <laughs> Historical or had an accurate conception maybe? of what fiction meant, yes, because there was no monster. You do not know this. <laughs> Sorry. I'm with Zach on this one. I mean, prove it. <laughs> Sorry, you're right. Of course, teach the controversy, I guess. <laughs> two uh, times, every time. There's two things I always have to tell Brian that he doesn't know. Whether there was a monster on the Franklin uh, expedition and what it's like to be a black man in America. <laughs> Brian insists he knows both these things. and He knows neither. <laughs> yep, that. <laughs> All I'm saying let's not is lead into that. There's something breaking up the polar ice. Mm-hmm. We don't know what it is. Of course, it can't be us. <laughs> Maybe well, no, we're, we're the not monster. up there. Yeah, we're not up there. <laughs> hey, I know a little fella named Rod Serling who would say, "Maybe man is a monster after all." <laughs> <laughs> he wouldn't say that. He's dead. He can't say anything. But uh, at one time, and perhaps of course, Rod Serling, if he were alive today, based on his political beliefs, would definitely be a climate change denier. I guess. Hmm, I don't know anything about his political beliefs during life. Uh, well, that's fair. Um, <laughs> <laughs> also, listeners, before we get into the uh, to the meat of this episode, which I realize is a very unfortunate uh, turn of phrase. For reasons that for... will become apparent later, unless you read the episode, the name of this <laughs> <Yes>. episode already, <laughs> like a normal um, human. We, uh, as a little special treat, uh, we are going to start releasing out little uh, droplets of our late... I don't know why I phrased it like that. Jed is giving me a very skeptical look. Um, I'm just waiting for the end to that sentence. Droplets (laughs) of what? Uh, Little droplets of... uh, Just little beads of our uh, former podcast, The First World Privilege Hour... Uh, just releasing those droplets from our sweat glands. This podcast was recorded, I'm going to say, seven to eight years ago. Uh, I think, I feel like we started in like summer of 2011. Yeah. Yeah. Um, We were 22, 23, fresh faced, mm -hmm. uh, probably less 
you know, aware of what was socially unacceptable. <laughs> so actually, we're shooting ourselves in the foot by recording this. Probably. Oh, I'm definitely doing quality control okay. or quality. What do I say half a beer in uh-huh. control? Do I make a complete ass of myself? Um, Half a beer, the dreaded threshold beyond which we lose all inhibition. (laughs) I mean, that's what turned Jekyll into Hyde, really, was Mm -hmm. half of a light beer, I think. Yes. (laughs) A little snifter of chamomile tea. Just just right on my ass. I'm down to the W on this can of Budweiser. All bets are off. (laughs) Brian but, said something about hot eats and cool treats, and that was, he said something about meat and treats. Go with me. Wait, when did I say hot eats and cool? <laughs> okay, whatever. You didn't. That's the I Dairy mean, Queen slogan. But you said something about meat. meat and treats. Yep. And uh, I think meat we treats. all know. That's, uh, uh, I'm here to our new sponsor, Johnson's Meat Treats. Uh, a very know- unfortunate brand name. Have you never heard the phrase hot eats and cool treats? No, I, I've heard it. I just didn't know where the fuck it came from. It's In Dairy ins- Queen, No, baby. I know that, goddammit. The DQ. <laughs> How dare you add baby to that? <laughs> you know, this is a fun fact. Dairy Queen was originally called DP. They changed oh, no. it not for the reason you'd think. <laughs> but because it stood for none other than... Donner Party, where they had the original hot eats uh, and cool treats. Okay. And that's what we're discussing in our second and final episode of our cold disaster mm-hmm. run. Uh, but get ready. The There's going to be season. some temperate disasters coming up as I still do some research. Yeah, we already uh, did Dyatlov Pass, folks. So uh, the original cold disaster. Cold... Yeah, that's another um, cold disaster. <laughs> Um, but yes, the, uh, the ill-fated Donner Party, uh, I'll be doing the alternate history, and Jen Colic is going to be doing the actual. Hey there, this is Brian, reminding you that The Revisionist is supported by listeners just like you. You can make a pledge and get rewards like shirts and even the right to vote over at patreon.com slash the revisionists. I'm still kind of stuck on meat treats. <laughs> so is the so, nation, um, uh, according to Steakums. <laughs> Steakums brand meat treats. Steak, mmm. That's actually a great lead in. <laughs> they really shat the bed on that catchphrase, huh? <laughs> mm-hmm. Steakums. Steakum, question mark. <laughs> yeah, that was really when Don Draper was dying of cirrhosis. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. So, um,. So the Donner Party was the worst disaster in wagon train history. <laughs> Other than the musical wagon train. Was that a real thing or did... No, that's There's a real... musical okay. called Paint Your Wagon. Paint Your Wagon is a classic. Uh, <gasps> wagon train was just the basis for Star Trek. Sort of. <laughs> anyway, sorry. I'm a monster. This has been our now weekly edition of Musical Theater. <laughs> the podcast. <laughs> So, so this is really, this is a long and terrible story. Um, In case you didn't know already, (laughs) um, it is basically, what did I write in my notes here? Uh, Greedy, dishonest men convinced them to take a dangerous route that was not suited to their mode of transit, i.e. wagons full of children and old people. (laughs) But the party also continued when they should have turned back. And they also turned on each other when they should have banded together. Yay, rugged individualism. <laughs> so that's about where we are, guys. Um, so we are, we're in the 1840s. Mm. Uh, we are, you know, Oregon Trail uh, days. People are going out to settle in the Oregon Territory and in California. Uh, Many were inspired by the idea of Manifest Destiny, a philosophy which asserted that the land between the Atlantic and Pacific Oceans belonged to European Americans, and they should settle it. And the rest of them were inspired by the Phantom Planet song, California, from what I understand. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, they got that uh, OC soundtrack blaring in the wagon with the ground effects going. 
That's the saddest. Uh, the idea of the daughter party about to kill and eat each other with California. Here we come. Playing. <laughs> really, it was preferable to being alive at that point. Because mm-hmm. really, the tape is stuck. I would actually agree. Yeah. <laughs> well, consider considering everything else that comes in between that also. Mm-hmm. Um, so so most wagon trains on the Oregon Trail um, traveled about 15 miles a day, and the journey usually took four to six months. So keep that in mind as we go forward. Average 15 miles a day. One five. <laughs> So the regular Oregon Trail basically went through uh, Wyoming and Idaho into Oregon. There was a point in Idaho where you could kind of veer south through Nevada and also get to California. That was kind of the California Trail. Mm-hmm. Um, Otherwise known as the Idaho cheat code. Yes, exactly. The Idaho fuck this. I don't want to be in Idaho anymore. Exactly. Too mm. much. Mm. No one wants to be in Idaho for that long. Um, so, so this was the Donner Party's original plan. They were going to take the Oregon Trail into, uh, into Idaho and then go south to California. Um, they didn't do that. (laughs) So, so the other thing we should, we should say up top, the most difficult part of this journey to California was the last hundred miles, uh, across the Sierra Nevadas. Mm-hmm. They received more snow than most other ranges in North America because they're so close to the Pacific Ocean. And the eastern side of the range is hella steep. <laughs> there were signs warning of yeah, this. Hella steep. Like hella steep uh, <laughs> fucking trails ahead. Mad snow, yo. Exactly. Um, so the timing of the trip was really <laughs> important. SMH. Sorry. <laughs> so the timing of the trip was really important to make sure that you mm-hmm. wouldn't get stuck in the goddamn snow in the mountains during the winter. Um, you had to also budget time to like feed your horses and your oxen. You need to block out time to bury people who died on the trail, etc. <laughs> um, of course, two hours for self-care every day. Mm-hmm. Many petty. <laughs> that thing where you put cucumbers on your eyes. I'm not sure what. I think that's just a facial. Yeah. A facial. There you go. That's what it is. <laughs> I mean, I, I don't live a life of luxury. I've never had a massage. <laughs> it's. I mean, it's based on the ancient Greek practice of putting coins on their eyes to pr- to pay Charon to ferry you across the river Styx. Oh, but Charon obviously is on some kind of paleo diet. <laughs> yeah, Charon does keto. Uh-huh. That's uh, not, not a lot of people know that about Charon. Uh, this is the dumbest thing I've ever said. Not really, but it's up there. So, uh, so enter, uh, Lansford Hastings, who is our main villain. Uh, so I like to picture him in a top hat with a twirly mustache. Lansford. I did not, uh. Lansford. Mm -hmm. Lansford. Okay. Uh, so he, he went to California in 1842 and decided that he deserved to make a shitload of money off the current migration. So he published a book called The Immigrant's Guide to Oregon and California, which included his very own alternate trail through the Wasatch Mountains and across the Great Salt Lake Desert. Great Salt Lake Desert. (laughs) The most, the three most hospitable words in the English language. By the way, uh, Lansford Hastings himself had not actually traveled this route that he was recommending other people take. <laughs> I like I envision it almost like the way like Dan Aykroyd branded that Crystal Skull vodka, where it's just like he put his he licensed his name to it. Basically, more yes. or less. This is exactly what Lansford Hastings did. Um, he didn't. He didn't. Um, travel any part of this trail until 1846 when he went to Fort Bridger, uh, which was a small supply station run by our secondary villain, Jim Bridger Mm. in Wyoming. Um, Fort Bridger wasn't actually a fort. It was just some little shit ass town that this asshole named after himself. Apparently. (laughs) So, uh, Hastings stayed. Everyone is faking it until they make it. These people, these are the worst people (laughs) for real. 
I feel um, like it was pretty fucking easy to fake it back in <laughs> yeah the yeah eighteen hundreds. Like if you had like a bow tie and nice shoes, you could pass for a doctor. It was fine. <laughs> I mean, that's basically how today works. Like on all this Instagram stuff and anyway. yeah. Well, Instagram is the wild west of you know the modern <laughs> times, which is anyway. why there's so much cannibalism on Instagram. <laughs> <laughs> That uh, take a picture of your meal, and it's yeah. almost always long pig. <laughs> <laughs> so, so Hastings set up shop um, at Fort Bridger to persuade travelers to turn south and take his route, which, of course, he was really, which sucked. It was a terrible route. Um, <laughs> he actually started sending letters further east on the Oregon Trail to convince people who were coming west to take his new route. Like, it was almost like, um, like the 1840s version of, like, junk mail. <laughs> Did he get a fucking nickel every time somebody took this route? What does he have to gain from this? I have no like I was never able to figure out like how he was making money from it. Um, Jim Bridger wanted people to take this route because it would take him. Uh, it would take people through his shitty little general store. Uh, I see. So he stood to profit. Um, I think Lansford Hastings just wanted to be like famous or something. He probably had a small penis. Anyway. Um, <laughs> So a group of nine yeah, wagons. Yeah, the fourth penis inch had not been invented at this point, actually. So <laughs> what? The fourth penis inch. I, <laughs> just that extra. Uh, really, they're homo superior. Yeah. Um, Thank <laughs> God we live in 2018 where we're up to 5.3. <laughs> the current maximum allowable amount. <laughs> of course, uh, gentlemen, yearly reminder, if you are over 5.3 inches, uh, get a bagel guillotine. Uh, anyway, anywho, uh, a bagel chop, chop your dicks off. <laughs> you know they have cigar <laughs> choppers chop that I think would serve the purpose. <laughs> Sorry, I have, I have my last final today, so my brain is pudding right now. I mean, I look, I have a pocket knife. We don't need to make this complicated, well, guys. Uh, we could just take care of it right now. We don't need any fancy equipment. Fancy. Um, a bagel they didn't you have need. they didn't have any of those fancy bagel choppers on the wagon train. Oh, I'll tell you that. That's a sh- they could have made yeah. some locks or something. They Again, had I recommend one of those cigar clippers. But it's true. Partial castration is easier than you think. Look out for our new podcast coming March of 2019. Mm-hmm. We test various. <laughs> All right. <laughs> it's called Foreskin Loco. I couldn't think of a. I was. Yeah. The Moil the Merrier. There we go. Nice. Okay. So, um. So a group of nine wagons containing 32 members of the Reed and Donner families and their employees left on May 12th. George Donner was 60 years old, which back then was basically 100. Mm-hmm. Adjusted um, for inflation. Exactly. Uh, so with him were his wife, Tamsin, and their, no. like, five daughters. Uh, so George's- Tamsin, when she was born, her parents were just like... They had a boggle set, basically. (laughs) (laughs) They just reached into a Scrabble bag and were like, "Eh." we got six blank tiles. (laughs) And a Y. And a Y. We're going to throw that one out. No, there's no, there's no, there's no Y. Tamsin, fuck that. I actually, so I kind of dig Tamsin, even though, well, no spoilers. Okay. Um... George's brother Jacob also joined with his wife Elizabeth and their like billion children. Uh, also traveling with the Donner brothers were like half a dozen teamsters. So every family is a group of like 20 fucking people and half of them are children under 10. Like this is basically the rule going forward. So it's um, like the it's like the first 10 minutes of Home Alone basically. Yes. That's exactly honestly, yeah. Less pizza, but yes. <laughs> So, of course, one of them had a talk boy. So, I, I, yeah. Sorry. <laughs> so, so James Reed and his wife Margaret also joined this party with their billion kids. 
Um, and Margaret Reed. So so far, there are about two point five billion people. Yes, yeah, most people don't know that the Donner Party was the single biggest catastrophe to ever occur on the planet. <laughs> Sorry. Earth. Sorry. It was really like when I mean when the Donner Party disaster happened, it was kind of like um like the plague of the 1840s where like a third of the population died because there was just everyone was on this fucking wagon train. Um so also Margaret Reed's 70-year-old mother joined them. She was in the ad- in advanced stages of consumption oh, and okay. she died on May 28th, like 2 weeks into the trip. And they just buried her along the side of the trail. Sort of like uh, bringing it back again to those kind of Christmas movies, but the first vacation, (laughs) what's-her-face dies in the middle of the movie. Yep. But at least she misses the worst part of the trip. (laughs) This is not even the middle of the movie, though. There's also a guy with tuberculosis who dies, like, before the worst part of this trip. So he maybe he's the maybe he's the mom character. I I don't know. I've never seen Vacation. Um, so here's one thing I really wanted to point out. So several other families joined the wagon train along the way. Lavina Murphy, who is 37, she is a widow from Tennessee. She likes long walks on the beach, and she has a family of 13. Her five youngest children range in age from eight to 16. And her two married daughters and their families also came along with her. So her elder daughter, who's 19, and her family, as well as Harriet Murphy Pike, who's 18, her 32-year-old husband, and their daughters ages 1 and 3. So let's do some math here. Because I want to point out, Lavina had her first child when she was 12. She is 37, and she has a 19-year-old daughter. So she's probably a widow because she fucking murdered her husband. Yeah, yep. and then she did yeah. that six more times? Yes. Well, and also, so Lavina's daughter Harriet had her first child when she was 15. Like, it's... I know people like to kind of romanticize the Oregon Trail probably because of the stupid video game but like these women their vaginas were destroyed they were completely fucking destroyed like Lavina probably couldn't pee anymore like normally and she wasn't even 40 yet Jesus like that's what happens after too many kids is like your parts don't work down there anymore it's horrific uh it's time to mention our other sponsor Planned Parenthood of the Rockies yes Uh please plan your parenthoods and don't be nice to your vaginas, everyone. And if you um, want to have uh, an excessive number of kids, our other sponsor is Cesarean Sections. Do you need to kill Macbeth today? <laughs> Cesarean Sections. <laughs> so there were there were about 20 other people with very small children, um, including an infant who was born on the goddamn trail. Um, in this wagon train. There is also our friend Luke Halloran, uh, a young man who seemed to get sicker with tuberculosis every day. He was passed from family to family as no one could spare the time or resources to care for him. He was literally like a hot potato with tuberculosis. Like, no (laughs) one wanted this guy around, and he was super, like, basically dying, and they were all just like, nope, we don't have time to take care of you. Go away. Uh Go bother the reeds. Like, yeah. So also, there a were hot potato with tuberculosis no longer available at Wendy's. Uh, not on their dollar menu. Not after the incident. No. <laughs> the tuberculosis incident. Exactly. So, um, so there were literally two billion people in this fucking wagon train, um, and this fuck up Hastings. Uh, basically, he got the Donner Party to cut south through Utah and go through the Hastings Pass. Um, he said it was easier, but it actually added 150 miles to their trip. <laughs> so he's a liar. And we don't like him. Also, a journalist further along the trail saw that it would be really difficult for wagons, especially carrying a shitload of old people and children, to make it through the Hastings Pass. And he tried to send letters back along the trail warning the Donner Party, but the letters didn't reach them. And this journalist said later he believed that the trading post owner deliberately concealed the letters, which would not surprise me. 
Um, also, you know, hurry for capitalism. Why are people so invested in this fucking trail? <laughs> well, the the um, the trading post owner, like yeah. the way that it was set up, was like it, if you were going through the Oregon Trail, you wouldn't pass by his trading post right. unless you were going south through the Hastings Pass. So he didn't want anything negative about this shitty trail to be um, seen by anyone. He wanted people to take this trail to give more shitty money to his shitty store. <laughs> so the Donner Party picked up even more people and then left Fort Bridger on July 31st, 1846. Uh, George Donner was well-liked, so he was elected wagon train president or captain or whatever. <laughs> wagon train president. I don't know how this shit works. Oh, man. He definitely made himself a sash that said that on it. Yeah, I could see that, actually. Well, <laughs> top pad of his own. President. Yeah. Um, so the Oregon Trail was well-established, <laughs> well-worn, and had a lot of traffic, and so it was easy to keep track of it. The Hastings Pass literally was marked by letters that Hastings tacked onto trees. <laughs> Some places, they lost the trail or had to make it as they went, which meant clearing brush, cutting down trees, and moving fucking boulders. There was literally, like, no, like, not only was it, like, a shitty pass but like there was no trail on a bunch mm -hmm. of it is just like not a real thing so the wasatch mountains were actually terrible for wagons mm -hmm. um so a lot of them broke within days of turning onto the hastings death pass <laughs> the donner party realized it was much more difficult than they had anticipated but they still kept going at one point hastings promised to come and lead them through some of the roughest terrain and then he fucking didn't <laughs> He just didn't. <laughs> he didn't even try. He had a thing. He had a thing. Um, so they were progressing at about a mile and a half a day. Remember, they should have been moving 15 miles a day or 10 times as fast as they were Ooh. actually moving. The lightning quick speed of 15 miles a day. Yes. I mean, at the time. Yeah. You no, know, of course. Like, they were breaking the first. fucking sound barrier. <laughs> You yeah, know? At the time, the right stuff kept playing in the background. Exactly. People were like, I don't know if we were meant to go this fast. Old ladies were like cowering in the back of the wagon. Oh. It's too fast. I don't know what's happening. Sorry. Um, <laughs> so Reed was originally the one who wanted to take the stupid fucking Hastings Pass and people were pissed at him, but he still somehow convinced everyone to keep going. They could have turned back and they kept going. Um, so the Graves family, who had even more fucking small children, caught up to the Donner Party around this time, um, which brought the Donner Party to about 90 people and about 70 wagons. Uh, oh, and our friend Tuberculosis Luke, who no one had time to care for, died around this time. So really, like, before things got really bad, like things were kind of shitty and then he died and he missed the worst of it. Also, to be fair... Do you need 70 wagons for 90 people? You pack light. Like, yeah. you don't need to bring all your Funko Pops fucking Donner parties. <laughs> Throw a few away. They're garbage. They all look the same. They suck. You don't need them. <laughs> They're not going to appreciate in value. Like, that's not, that's a trick. Like, <laughs> funnily enough, this comes up later. <laughs> So it was early September by the time they got out of the living hell of the Wasatch Mountains, and they went straight into the Great Salt Lake Desert. Again, the fucking desert with a lake made of salt. <laughs> so there was the no water. Name. Yeah. There was no water. There was no grass for the oxen. The wagons kept getting stuck in the soil because it was full of salt and it was like gluey almost. Oh. Uh, insanely hot during the day, freezing during the night. Uh, everyone was fucking miserable. Nine of Reed's ten oxen broke free, crazed <laughs> with thirst, and bolted off into the desert. <laughs> so, you know, he got what was coming to him, I guess. Yeah. Uh, Hastings had told them that it would be 40 miles and it would take two days, and it said it was 80 miles and it took six days. Mm -hmm. So animals and broken wagons were being abandoned, and poorer families were running out of food. And no one else would share with them. They were just like, tough shit. 
Um, so they took a week to recuperate at a spring on the other side of the desert. Uh, some men left to try to get ahead to California to get more supplies because they would move faster without a fucking wagon and like eight babies. Mm-hmm. Uh, everyone was running low on supplies, especially the Reed family. The whole time, the party is becoming so angry with Hastings, but they're they're too deep in, and they have no choice but to keep following him and his stupid fucking letters that he leaves, like, ahead, as he's ahead on the trail. Of course, um, because he's been elected to a four-year term, so... Yeah. <laughs> and he's got, like, this big, like, ugly pony, and he has <laughs> so much food... And he keeps leaving in the letters, like, oh, man, like, the, like, do you guys want some burgers? Like, I have some burgers. If you catch up to me, I'll share my burgers with you. There's, like, barbecue sauce on the letters. They're just really mad at him because he's such a dick. Um, so on September 26th, they rejoined the traditional trail to California. They had spent two months in this shortcut from hell, and they were actually a month behind schedule. So they split up into smaller groups hoping to make better time. And Reed got into a fight with one of the other men, stabbed him, and was banished from the wagon train. (laughs) So, which, again, becomes relevant later. So, literally, like, he's the one who convinced everyone to take this shitty non-shortcut. And then he stabs someone and gets banished. That's what gets him banished. That's what gets him banished. Um... Spoiler alert, he fucking survives. (laughs) I just feel like I want to make that clear right now. This asshole, he's like the third place villain, survives. Oh yeah, third place villain always survives for some reason. That's the sequel juice right there. Yeah. So now it's mid-October. There's lots of small splinter groups. Everyone's pissed and hungry and winter is coming. Mm. The animals have become so weak that most people are walking. Remember, this includes women who are nursing infants, which makes you exhausted because they are literally sucking the life force out of you for their own survival. Um, I mean, when you say it like that, it seems... I mean, it's literally the thing that happens, you know, happy to do it, help yourself, you know, but uh, But that's what happens. You have no fucking energy. Exactly. (laughs) Um... One group abandoned a 70-year-old man because he couldn't continue walking. Yeah. Like, people start turning on each other and acting really terrible towards each other, and it gets really hard to feel bad for them after Mm -hmm. a while. Um, So one of the men who went ahead to find more supplies returned with two mules, food, and two Native American guides. Uh, the idiots of the Donner Party prepared to cross the Sierra Nevadas thinking they had been through the worst. It was like, oh, a ray of hope. Someone is coming to help us. We'll be okay. No. Just, no. Um, oh, also, um, Paiute Native Americans started stealing and or shooting all of their remaining livestock. There were families with no livestock left. They had to abandon their wagons. There are families with small children who ran out of food. And other families refused to help them. They were like, sorry, your children are starving. Ours are fat and happy. Fuck you. Like, it's just, it brought out the worst in people. Um, so snow came about a month earlier than expected in the Sierra Nevadas. And the east face of the range, as we said, was... Um, what did I say? Hella steep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, worse than the Wasatch Mountains. Uh, the families rested. Someone was accidentally shot. And then one by one, they all got up and left. <laughs> <laughs> someone was like cleaning his gun and accidentally shot someone. And then everyone was just like one by one. They're like, all right, it's time to go. <laughs> That's, I guess, the signal we Before were waiting this, for. Before this, I was okay. But right. this is... Right. This is the last straw. Um... The Donner family was the last group to leave, and uh, George Donner cut his hand at at this point. He got a cut on his hand. Um, All the other families in the party made it 1,000 feet up the cliff face before the snow got really bad, and they found a bunch of shacks near Truckee Lake left by other pioneers. Uh, When I say shacks, I really mean, like, piles of wood with a hole in the top. (laughs) Jesus. Yeah. Um, where was I? Of the 60 people in this group, 29 were children. The Donners stayed at the base of the mountain. They put up some shitty tents for the 21 people in their party, including 
12 children, and then there was an eight-day snowstorm. It was the worst. So the food ran out, the oxen died, no one knew how to fish or hunt, no one knew how to fish or hunt. (laughs) Jesus. Like, one guy managed to kill a bear, and then nothing. To be fair, that's a pretty good get, though. If you're gonna kill something... I know, I know. I mean, also... How do you have 90 people in 1840 and, like, none of you... Yeah. You, like, they're all me and they don't know how to survive. And they're all like, oh, let's walk across the wilderness for six months mm-hmm. and just assume everything will be fine. Ugh. Yeah. So, uh, people in the Reed Party were charging each other to eat each other's dead oxen. They were like, well, if you want to eat my dead ox, you've got to give me $25. <laughs> Literally, this is what they, like, they were starving. Mm. And they were haggling over, like, food that people needed to survive. So I don't feel bad for some of these people. They're awful. Um, Several small parties tried to reach the summit of the mountain on foot, but none really succeeded. Conditions were too difficult. And also, everyone was fucking starving. Um, Which I hear is very tiring. (laughs) (laughs) So after November 20th, people started eating glue made from boiled ox hide. This is a quote from uh, Wikipedia. Uh, Bit by bit, the Murphy children picked apart the ox hide rug that lay in front of their fireplace, roasted it in the fire, and ate it. The the rug. Yeah. The rug. Um, So Jacob Donner died, George's hand was infected, and men started confessing to murders on their deathbeds, which I bet was pretty fucking juicy, honestly. (laughs) Yeah, gotta get them deets near Mm -hmm. the end. So so several parties attempted to leave on foot to find food, only to have to turn back. One of these parties, historians call it the Forlorn Hope. Um, (laughs) This is kind of where all hell broke loose. Um, they got lost in a snowstorm. One man stripped off his clothes, ran away, and came back later and died. <laughs> like, he literally he just back. lost his fucking mind. Um, the... Just like the idea that he came back and was like, well, that was crazy. And then... <laughs> Which, it, like, it would be funny, except I, I gotta, yeah. like, stab this balloon here. Um, th- that is probably the um like terminal stages of hypothermia mm-hmm. um yeah i have heard that that is like stripping away your clothes is not uncommon for people who are dying of cold yeah yeah i think there was someone who did that in the um day love pass also yeah yeah. yeah yeah bringing it back around guys um what else children died people froze to death um this was the first incidence of cannibalism The remains of the dead were divided up so that no one had to eat one of their relatives. Some refused to participate. uh, And eventually, after the small party was lost on the mountain for nearly a month, two men who were close to dying of starvation were shot and eaten. The survivors of this small party were eventually rescued by Miwok Indians and farmers in the Sacramento Valley. So they actually made it out. They, like, stumbled onto, like, a Native American, uh, like, camp. Mm-hmm. And the the people in the camp, like, the, the starving Donner Party people were actually so, like, rough-looking and so haggard and that, like, the natives actually ran away when they first saw them because they were just like, oh, my God, what's good? Like, you people they don't look like, right. They just, like, noped out of yeah. there real quick. Yeah, it was terrifying. Mm. Um, but eventually they were like, oh, you're just, you need help. Here, we'll share our food with you. What a fucking concept. And they, like, got them down the mountain into the valley. And there was, like, a small village of farmers who were like, oh, you're starving. We'll help you. Like, yeah. I wonder why more people don't fucking do that. Anyway. Um, so meanwhile, James Reed had made it through the Sierra Nevada mountains in late October. This motherfucker has been in California the whole time. Uh, he begged men at Sutter's Fort to help rescue his friends and family, uh, and they wouldn't. The Mexican-American War was going on. He had to agree to join the army in order to get anyone to help him. Man, stop loss is not a new policy, it turns out. No, it is not. Um, 
So a bunch of men went to look for the Donner Party on the western slope of the mountains, but no one was there, obviously, and the pass to the other side was blocked by snow. They did find and help a different couple who were also trapped and starving. Just just by coincidence. Um, most able-bodied men were off fighting the Mexican-American War, so there were only three volunteers to help rescue the Donner Party. Uh, flooding rivers and snowstorms delayed rescue efforts. So it's kind of like just, it's one thing after another where like, oh, we're, we're going to try to help. And then like, nope, snowstorm. And then, oh, we have volunteers. And then fucking flooded river. Um, on February 18th, the first wave of people were rescued. So it's been like two and a half months that they're stuck here. Um, some adults and children had to be left behind because they were too weak to travel. Uh, Quote from Wikipedia, 23 people were chosen to go with the rescue party, leaving 21 in the cabins at Truckee Lake and 12 at um, Alder Creek, which is where the Donner family were. Uh, Two of the Reed children were too weak to cross the snowdrifts and no one was strong enough to carry them. So Margaret Reed had to accompany her two older children down, down the mountain and leave her two frailest at the lake without a parent because of course her husband left them behind he got himself exiled mm-hmm. um so upon their return to the lake the breen family flatly refused entry to the cabin like they wouldn't let the children in the starving parentless children um after one of the rescuers offered the breens more food the children were grudgingly admitted <sighs> Like, to the very bitter end, people are like, no, I'm not helping your fucking starving children. Go fuck yourself. Oh, you have more food? Oh, I guess they can come in. Mm-hmm. Like, so anyway, what else? Oh, some of the rescued people died on the way down the valley. Um, on March 1st, a more experienced group of rescuers returned to Truckee Lake. The two Reed children that were initially left behind were rescued. In one cabin, our friend Lavina Murphy was caring for her eight-year-old son and the two uh, and two other young children. She had deteriorated mentally and was nearly blind. Also, she probably ate someone. <laughs> that was just a little reading between the lines on my part. Okay. <laughs> pretty sure she ate someone. It was the fact that she had a bib with a person's picture painted on it. Exactly. That's really the giveaway. Yeah. So the first two members of the relief party to reach the Donner camp um, saw one man carrying a human leg. When they made their presence known, he threw it into a hole in the snow. <laughs> I'm just picturing him just like bleh, bleh, and then whistling and like walking away mm-hmm, like mm-hmm. <laughs> yep. just keep it a cash uh, the hole in the snow also contained the mostly dismembered body of Jacob Donner inside one of the tents Elizabeth Donner refused to eat although her children were being nourished by the organs of their father. This is what Wikipedia says. Like, how poetic. (laughs) These children are cannibalizing their dead father. It's very nice. The rescuers discovered that three other bodies had already been consumed. Uh, In the other tent, Tamsin Donner was... She was okay, but George was very ill because the infection had reached his his shoulder. Um, So he he had, like, a cut on his hand. Mm -hmm. And it's just, like, slowly eating him. Basically, um, the second rescue party evacuated mostly children. Tamsin, George, our girl, Lavina, and a few others had to wait for a third rescue party. Some of the second rescue party stayed behind at the camps, and Tamsin offered one of the men money to take her children on to California. The men took the kids, left, abandoned them by the lake. Yeah, the, the kids were later found alive. Okay. But, like, this guy was there to rescue them, and she was like, please, like, just take my children. Like, I'm too weak. I'll I'll give you money. Like, please, I'm desperate. And he's like, oh, okay. And he, like, takes the money and just abandons them further down the trail and, like, gets the fuck out. So, later days, Tamsin. Um, the third relief party, um, some kids that were left behind had died, and one was eaten. Uh, Tamsin stayed with her husband, even though she knew no one else was coming anytime soon. 
she stayed because he he was too sick to move i think and Mm. she was just like i can't leave him um so she has kind of a dumb name but i like her yeah like the one of the only people in the story with any sense of like selflessness or yeah yeah or like even like trying to take care of anyone at all um so on april 10th april 10th this is like, so months and months have gone by. Um, a salvage party from Sutter's Fort set out to see what they could recover. Um, they were intending to, like, whatever they could find of Donner's um, possessions. They were going to, like, sell them and use the money to, like, support all the Donner orphan children, basically. Um, they found George's body. He had died only a few days earlier. Oh, fuck. He held out. He was, like, basically a hundred. And he held out for so long with, like, a shitty arm and, like, everything. Yeah, shitty arm was the leading cause of death in the 1840s, actually. (laughs) Well, yeah. I mean, yeah. (laughs) I mean, that's the the technical term for gangrene, right? (laughs) Shitty arm. Yeah. Shitty (laughs) armus. Actually, I think that's a Harry Potter spell. Never mind. Yeah. So the salvage party found a man named Louis Kessberg alive. He's the one who ate the child. Um, it was it was one of uh, Mr. Reed's children, and he basically like told him like, "Hey, if I ever see you in California, I'm gonna fucking kill you." Um, and then two other survivors of the party, like years later, convinced him like not to do it. Um, I mean, I think he probably should have. Mm-hmm. Reed was an asshole, but like this guy ate his kid. There's really nothing, you know. Mm. Yeah, um, no, you're totally canceled after that. Yeah. So, so this character <laughs> classic Lewis- cancel culture. You eat one kid, they pull your HBO show. Oh yeah, drag me. No uh, second chances, right? <laughs> Lena Dunham it's- eats one child. <laughs> <laughs> So, um, Louis Kieseberg, Kesseberg, whatever, this child eater, um, he said Levita and Tamsin were also dead. He also had a cache of money, pistols, and jewelry, and a human meat stew going when, there, when the salvage party found him. So, he talked his way out of some good old frontier justice and made it to the fort on April 29th. That's pretty much it. He was the last one. To reach the fort. He was the last person out of the of the Donner uh, party. Of the 87 people who entered the Wasatch Mountains, 48 survived. Only the Reed and Breen families remained intact. The children of Jacob Donner, George Donner, and Franklin Graves were orphaned. One guy, like most of his family, died. And there's actually some really interesting stuff on Wikipedia about um, the... Like the how the news of this spread, where a lot of the newspapers actually initially really downplayed the whole tragedy. Mm-hmm. It was like, oh, like, you know, you get a hundred words on page like 12B or whatever, because Manifest Destiny was like this huge national ideal and it was big business and they had all these stories in the papers about like idealizing the the journey west and they didn't want to like mm-hmm. you know have bad well, news and this horrible tragedy between um, Hastings and Bridger and the newspapers downplaying the the tragedy the real villain in the story is capitalism <laughs> Yes. Well, and also, so the the Wikipedia article actually goes on to mention, like, but despite the newspapers, like, downplaying all of this stuff, uh, Travel West actually fell off very sharply after the Donner Party, like, tragedy happened, but it's mostly blamed on the Mexican-American War. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Because, you know, it was a war. Yeah. Also, you can't spell capitalism without cannibalism. A, a little bit. <laughs> They're a slant rhyme, I guess. Yes. <laughs> Canbitalism? <laughs> Hell yeah. Um, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> anyway, so, this is Chapo Trap Houses. <laughs> Sorry. Oh, no, we're going to go ahead and. Uh, that's the story. Because we're on Chapo Trap House now, here's some pre scheduled misogyny for you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Yep. Do, do I even want to know what that is? No, it's okay. not worth it. It's a, it's a podcast from what uh, is called, quote, The Dirt Bag Left. Yeah. Whoa. Basically, they're, they use socialism as a way to excuse... Their hot takes, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> basically. Their hot takes and their cold... They're cool treats, yeah. I believe. No, they're very little nice. treats. Um, anyway... Jen, thank you. You're welcome, uh, I guess. That was a terribly depressing story. Uh, but Brian. I had fun reading about it. Hello, everybody. I'm J.D. Lopez, the host of Left Hand Right Brain. It's a free-flowing, wide-ranging conversation that I have with artists doing interesting and creative things here in Denver and beyond. We talk about their personal stories, break down their creative process, and what motivates them. Spoiler alert, it's mostly spite. We talk about all these things and more while kicking back, cracking wise, and always having a good time. You can find old episodes and everything you need to know at lefthandrightbrainpod.com. To fill us in on a a different take on the Donner Party. Mm -hmm. Uh, And this is just, I'm, you know, the Donner Party is a mix of tragedy and cruelty. Uh, I don't want to mess with that too much. Um, No, it's a good combination. Why ruin it? Yeah. yeah, Brian, right. if there's one thing he loves, it's tragedy, cruelty, mm-hmm. and saying he knows what it's like to be a black man in America. <laughs> Those are three things, first of all. Um, and that's not my Well, primary the tragedy objection. and cruelty are one. You like them in concert with each other. Yeah, it's a hot eat and a cool treat, baby. Uh, so, um, I, I want to focus on a couple little-known characters in the saga, uh, first of all, there is an, an older Donner offspring, a uh, 20-year-old Madeline Donner. She comes into play later. Um, but uh, our main character is Rolo the Rat, uh, hmm. who was the black sheep of his family. Uh, Sometimes he was walking there. <laughs> Wait, what? <laughs> it's rats, uh, the name reminded me of Ratso Risso. Is oh, okay. What <laughs> um... Rolo's parents, uh, Whiskers and Nibbles, uh, risked... Wait, is, is this literally a rat? Yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> it's the alternate history, baby. Um, <laughs> uh, Whiskers and Nibbles risked everything to, uh, to bring Rolo and his 204 siblings, uh, to California. Yeah. You know, I I really think this third chapter of uh, An American Tale took a dark turn. (laughs) Um, So uh, they bring them to the Sierra Nevadas, to California, to start a new life. You know, foraging on better farms uh, and just living out west. Um, You know, eke out a living if they could. Uh, But Rolo wanted more for uh, his little rat self. Um, Rolo wanted to be a chef. Um, he, uh, you know, he felt out of place. This is the moment where there'd be like, you know, in a Disney movie, there'd be like a classic I want song. Like Um, a a Disney movie, for example, Ratatouille, a Disney movie. I'm not familiar with that. uh, (laughs) Um, like an I want song, like, um, like uh, part of your world. Rats, the power of love or like, um. Uh, rats all folks um, yeah or that one where Aladdin talks about how he's a street rat but he's yeah, not really yeah yeah exactly um, so um, one day Rolo's out singing a song uh, wishing he could cook and he crests a hill and he sees the Donner Party encamped uh, below um, and Rolo realizes he's been out all day he's kind of hungry and he sneaks into the camp to try to steal some vittles. Um, and, uh, the head, I, for some reason I wrote the head Donner, uh, George Donner, president Donner, get yeah, president Donner, uh, president of the wagon train, um, tries to smash him with a cast iron skillet. Uh, you know, a, a fight ensues. It's not really a fight. It's a rat and a dude. Um, but you know, Rolo sort of gets the better of him, climbs up on George's head and starts tugging on his hair and realizes, oh, I can control George's movements. Makes him, you know, hit himself a couple times. Um, and so Rolo uh, realizes he has control. And this is a chance to realize his dream. 
Uh, so they uh, he started with Patrick Dolan, uh, which uh, turned him into a nice uh, Bouffe Bourguignon, mm-hmm. uh, French classic. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, of course. Jay Fosdick uh, came next, mm-hmm. uh, turned him into Jay Apoive. Uh, now, does Peter O'Toole try <laughs> any of these and have a flashback to his childhood? Hang on. Uh, and, uh, so things are going pretty good for Rollo. He's finally, you know, getting his his little paws into the, the world of fine dining. Uh, and that's when cannibal restaurant critic uh, Marcel du Portlong... Um, God damn it. Um you know, if that's he, a French joke, I don't speak that shit. <laughs> it is French for long pig. Uh, okay. Um, so, um, you know, Pork Long comes up and this is like, oh, this is the guy. He's a known hard-ass cannibal critic. Um, and so Rolo uh, pulls out all the stops. Um, he, uh, he takes Madeline Donner uh, and uh, not... Prepares not a fancy dish, uh, but a simple, heartfelt peasant dish. You know, something that speaks of home. Yeah, a dish something made earthy. from a peasant. I think mm-hmm. you mean. Yeah, exactly. Yep. Um, it's a just a roast with a nice pan jus, uh, caramelized onions, potato gratin, um, and he serves uh, serves it to pork long. And as soon as wait, is is this guy's name pork long? Yeah. Uh, that's. I looked it up for the French translation for long pig. I wish it was. You could something have just made that up. I, I yeah. could have. <laughs> Are you but, sure you didn't? But really, I went the extra mile. Did you accidentally <laughs> go to the thesaurus instead of the Google Translate? <laughs> <laughs> My Duolingo is not really doing well. Um, so. And as soon as Pork Long takes a bite of Madeline, uh, he's hit with a wash of memories. Uh, a walk along a hedgerow. Uh, a lover reclining in a garden. Uh, a bite of cookie fresh from the oven. Um, cookie is a person. Yes, of course. Uh, cookie was the cook in the camp. Uh, <laughs> uh, shout out to my Aunt Cookie. Uh, so Pork Long is so moved by this emotional connection uh he feels to the dish that he gives rollo uh five a five-star review in the cannibal post dispatch uh which is now a part of uh the tribune media company uh and has since made the pivot to video i think sinclair uh, might have bought it no oh no it's really gone downhill <laughs> yeah it's weirdly conservative now uh in the cannibal post dispatch mm-hmm. um so Rolo moves to Paris, um, finally, and his family would have been proud, but half of them were eaten by bobcats. Uh, so, and the other half were eaten by the rest of the Donner Party. Mm-hmm, exactly, uh, and that's when, uh, flying high above the Donner Party, uh, Santa Claus in his sleigh, uh, looking for a name for his newly crafted reindeer, uh, looks down and is like, I. Really tack um, this one on the end. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and then many years later, far to the south, a, uh, a lawyer for Disney hears this and decides it's not worth the time. Uh, so that is the, uh, you should, the alternate history of the daughter yeah. party. And then, of course, years later, um, Santa would need a name for another reindeer and, of course, would fly over the White House just as the Watergate hearings were going on. <laughs> say, say. <laughs> Uh, i'm trying to think of someone named rudolph also um there's probably like a nazi named rudolph somewhere rudolph hess i think yeah the nazi who said sorry yeah yeah of course Uh, who's kind of a nazi yeah uh yeah uh he was obsessed with cleaning up new york (laughs) Santa flew over uh, a wedding between two cousins and saw <laughs> Rudolph Giuliani as one of the happy cousins uh, and was like, and named his new uh, reindeer Cousin Fucker, yeah. uh, but later changed it to Rudolph. He uh-huh. flew over, maybe the World War II connection could be, he flew over London during the bombing and yep. was like, not quite, but maybe with the two little letters on the end there. <laughs> 
<laughs> God damn it. Uh, Santa's uh, kind of a dick, actually, yeah. now that I think about it. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, and that's the alternate history of the daughter party. Great. Um, I also we tied want to mention Christmas. Um, that the pass where the daughter party got uh, stuck and, like, died and ate each other, uh, that is now called Donner Pass. Mm-hmm. And the lake where most of the party uh, in those like little shacks like went insane and all starved to death, that's now called Donner Lake. Well, they earned it. <laughs> that's, I mean, did they? They gave a great endowment to to the to the local university. <laughs> um, so, you know, uh, <laughs> of course it's. Of course, that's also n- another monument we're not going to be getting rid of anytime soon. So, mm-hmm. uh, sorry, having some weird volume issues. Um, before we uh, before we move on, we ask that you uh, rate, write a review of this podcast on your podcast service of choice because it's super helpful to us. It helps put more butts in the seats, metaphorically. Yeah. Um, sorry. that um itunes stitcher google play tune in wherever you listen to this uh that'll help us get the attention we so crave uh and you can always ask us a question or leave a comment at revisionistpodcast.com or at facebook twitter instagram just search revisionist podcast on all of those or just the revisionist probably um we're also a proud member of the denver podcast network along with such shows as denver orbit uh, an audio diary uh, with different artists and musicians that's really cool. One last year's Westward uh, Best of Denver, Best Podcast. So check out Denver Orbit. A prestigious award that uh, our podcast, First World Privilege Hour, for, that we are slowly releasing, was <laughs> once nominated for. Yes. Um, w- which uh, I believe also someone uh, who we knew from high school got mad at us at one point and <laughs> used the non-insult, uh, your quote, non-award-winning podcast, <laughs> uh, which is the biggest shrug of all insults. Yeah, of, of I mean, all. that describes almost every podcast. <laughs> First of all. Um, but, uh, Jen, you are going to be the new uh, creative writing teacher for Denver Rec Centers, if you want to talk about those classes. Yeah, that is correct, Brian. Uh, I am going to be teaching um, two different, um, like two different sets of classes, uh, starting uh, New Year's Eve. Actually, um, I'm going to be on the west side. So if you're in Denver and you have like forty bucks, um, come take some of my writing classes. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Highland Rec Center on 29th and Osceola. I'm going to be there Mondays from 10 a.m. to 12 p.m. It's five weeks, uh, starting December 31st, and I'm going to be at the Scheitler Rec Center for an evening class that is uh, Sheridan and West 46th Avenue, and that's going to be Mondays from 6 to 8 p.m., and that one's going to be four weeks starting January 7th. Uh, so for more information or to sign up for those, go to denvergov.org recreation. And, and are- if you are in Denver and you have less than 40 bucks... Your financial situation is dire, and you should sell whatever you're using to listen to this podcast immediately. <laughs> yes. And that's $40 for the whole five weeks, too. Yeah. Yeah, it is. Mm-hmm. Hell yeah. Um, you also are the co-host with also fellow friend of the show, Byron Graham, of the Mutiny Book Club podcast. I am. Uh, which I have appeared on in the past. Mm-hmm. That's right. Uh, and this month, we are reading An American Marriage, which was amazing. We are going to have the wonderful Allison Rose on the show to discuss it. Uh, and that's going to be recorded live at the Mutiny Information Cafe at 2 South Broadway on uh, Sunday, December 30th at 4 o'clock. Awesome. So get your ass down there. Exactly. Um, as for me, listeners, uh, with... Jen Colick here. I uh, co-host Queen City Companion, an all-false storytelling show, also at Mutiny. Uh, big ups to to the mutes. Um, uh, 
at uh, the first Thursday of... Sorry, I got distracted by how dumb that was. Um, <laughs> the first Thursday of every month at 8 p.m. Um, Next one is Thursday, January 6th. Yes. Uh, thank you. Uh, so come check that out. It's always a really great show. Um, and I... my uh, The last... For now, edition of my show, Know Your Shit, will be happening the night this is released, uh, December 15th, uh, at Comedy Room Room, which is sadly uh, closing. So if you hear this in the morning and can make it out, please do, because we want to send it out with a bang, and hopefully soon we'll have a new home for that show. Um, But Zach, I believe uh, judgment falls to you for this episode. Uh, yeah. You know, the real history this time was uh, one of the more well-researched um, ones we've ever had. Strangely, whenever we have our significant others on this show, it tends to be the ones that, like, actually have research done. <laughs> like, when, like, for some reason, comedians don't give a shit about thorough research of this kind of events. But um, I mean, to be fair, I'm also a librarian. Yeah. So um, reading Wikipedia is my thing. <laughs> um, regardless, uh, but this is also has the bonus of the side story, the alternate, not actually detracting, but adding to the main story. So it's one of them gimmies where I could vote for the alternate and kind of vote for both stories. So that's a what am I gonna do? <laughs> Hey, Yay! Uh, Jen, thank you. Uh, listeners, the voting is now open on Patreon. So uh, go ahead and do that. And I think that does it for this episode. Merry holiday times. Merry holiday, every person. Um, <laughs> I mean, I legitimately say happy holidays and think people should use... Really yeah. open terms, so I don't mean to make fun of it. But um, maybe Brian will say, "Have a jolly time" at the end of the episode, but mm-hmm. maybe not. Who knows? Uh, that's <laughs> up for future Brian. Uh, Donner, bless us, everyone. <laughs> uh, from our family to yours, um, warm your heart this holiday season. Mm-hmm. Uh, remember, uh, lick that candy cane. Stuff that stocking. Why are these accidentally and as sexual? You cut uh, your Christmas roast beast. Remember the horrible story of a family <laughs> that ate each other in the mountains. <laughs> uh, Zach, thank you. Of course. Yep. Uh, for everyone here at the Revisionist, I'm Brian Flynn. I'm Zach Powers. Have a jolly time. There, I. No, said it doesn't it. work. Go back. Yeah. To the have a good time. <laughs> have a have a good time. Happy New Year.